Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, sports editor at Star Local Media, being joined by Devin Hassan. Devin, week nine of high school football season is upon us, and as per usual, that means we get to break down another game of the week. Uh, big thanks to everybody who went to our website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on this week's poll. And the winner, we have a, uh, it was a nice comeback effort from our <laughs> winner this week, because for a while there, early in the season, we were wondering, dude, what's going on at Saxe? Yeah. It used to just be death, taxes, and Saxy winning the game of the week poll by a million votes. Mustangs were a little bit slow out of the gates, you know, even though they were up for the uh, up for consideration, you know, earlier in the season. Um, but yes, uh, Devin, apparently uh, you've woken up the masses out of Saxy, <laughs> and they have responded in kind. As Saxy has a massive turnout in show of its uh, its game Thursday night out at uh, let's see where is this game at actually? I completely don't have it written down. Which which venue is it at, Devin? At Williams Stadium. <laughs> Williams Stadium. <laughs> Williams Stadium out in Garland, seven o'clock. A kickoff between Saxy and Lakeview Centennial. We're finally going to get a little bit of clarity on what has been an increasingly difficult district out in 10-6A to figure out. Saxe and Lakeview part of a four-way tie for first place. That's all you need to know about how convoluted that district race has been. Um, they are both 5-2 and two overall in the season, 3-1 and one in district play, tied with Wiley and Rowlett. Um, yeah, we'll figure out I guess maybe uh, as far as what this game could mean as far as who potentially is the frontrunner for the district title for the past few years, that's been a mantle that Saxe has carried quite proudly in making fairly short work of the rest of its district uh, competition. Uh, they've met a ton of resistance this year, far more than they're accustomed to. So we can, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about Saxe in the first half of this matchup because, you know, with the Mustangs, it's a program that's been among the better ones in the area in recent years. And there's some, you know, there's some impressive performances on that record um, and whatnot. Five and two, still pretty solid for seven games into the season, but it's definitely a different vibe. In 10 6 yeah. relative to the usual ease in which Saxe is dispatching competition. So, um, so what has been your kind of your read on where Saxe is at right now, heading into a game that is uh, 
to this point at least the biggest one of their season. Well, and like you say, uh, you know, Saxon's mm. still five and two. They're mm-hmm. still three and one. They're still having a very good season. Yeah. Um, it's just they've been so dominant, particularly in ten six a in the last three years. You know, they went the last three years they went undefeated in district mm-hmm. and. Rarely were they really challenged. They had a couple, you know, the thriller against Rowlett a couple of years ago, yeah. where they had to come back in the fourth quarter. But even in a lot of those games where they were close, you always got the impression Saxe was the better team mm-hmm. and would find a way to win. Um, this year, I mean, from day one, they've been living dangerously. Oh, I yeah. mean, they have four uh, four games decided by three points or less. Yes. Uh, you know, they started in, in non-district with the 33-30 win over Coppell, mm-hmm. uh, 21-19 loss the following week to Euless Trinity, um, and that carried over to district. You know, they dropped their first game since 2015 uh, to Wiley, 22-21 uh, in the opener. And then last week against North Garland, uh, you know, another back-and-forth game that uh, they were able to hold on to win 24-21. So, you know, it hasn't quite been the same dominance, uh, but they're still in, in control of their own destiny, mm-hmm. and that's all you can ask for. Uh, you know, one thing sexy has been known for for the last several years is having one of the most prolific offenses, wide open, averaging 50 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just don't have that this year. Um, they're still they're, they're doing different things. Uh, you know, last year they started off with a quarterback rotation before settling in on Derrick Rose. They really haven't had that one guy emerge as the go-to guy this year. Uh, and I think, Coach, you know, talking to Coach Barron a couple weeks ago, he kind of likes it that way. They have Parker Wells, who's more of a thrower, mm-hmm. although he did rush for the uh, the game-winning touchdown a week ago, uh, whereas Xavier Foreman can throw the ball, uh, but he's also a little bit more of a threat on the okay. ground. And he likes kind of riding the hot hand, so to speak. Okay. He, you know, based on the situation, based on where they are in the field, maybe based on the time of the game, um, or, or just, and, and they'll swap out, you know, series to series, uh, and that's continued on into week nine. You know, just to give the defense a couple different looks. You know, Sean Coleman, their running back, who was expected to contribute this year, but wasn't necessarily expected to be Mm -hmm. the workhorse, has really stepped into that role nicely. Uh, 141 carries, 849 yards, seven touchdowns. He's got 300-yard games. He's got two more where he's in the 90s. Uh, Just really the most consistent offensive weapon out there. And then, you know, again, we talked about the passing game briefly with the quarterbacks. They have some talent at wide receiver, but when your leading receiver is also your running back, <laughs> so that, that means they're throwing a lot of short balls. Uh, you know, Jordan Neighbors is a sophomore who got a look at quarterback early on. Exceptional athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 18 catches for 236 yards. Robert Jones had a nice uh, game last week, but they just haven't had that those big plays on the outside uh, that they're used to. So. You know, going forward, uh, their backbone is is Coleman in the running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a couple other guys that they can shift in and out of the backfield. Their offensive line is really solid. That's, you know, yeah. talking to Coach Barons. Uh, he's really, even though they're all juniors and sophomores, there is experience since they were so young last year. Mm-hmm. And they've done a really good job. But, um, you know, I think they're going to need to find some big plays this yeah. week against a big play team mm-hmm. in Lakeview. Because, yeah, that's been the element that's been pretty absent, just going through and looking at how it was relative to what they had last year once Derrick Rose took over and the Saxe offense began to look a bit more like its normal self. This year between Parker Wells and Xavier Foreman, averaging just a shade over 7 yards per pass yep. versus 10.2 last year with Derrick Rose. So, yeah, that element of Saxe's offense has been gone. You mentioned Sean Coleman, though. He's already tripled his production from last season mm-hmm. as he's definitely you know stepped in and helped kind of shoulder that load on offense um it's just yeah i a lot of it's going to come down to what do we make of Saxe's run defense because when you're going up against Lakeview Centennial that's really all that matters and 
in containing uh, what Lakeview brings to the table because, as we've mentioned on the podcast, they have the best running back in the country for the 2021 class in Kamar Wheaton. So, yeah, that I mean, that's kind of where it all starts and finishes, though, with what to expect out of Saxe, at least from the on the defensive side of things. How do you kind of foresee them? This is you know they've got plenty of experience against uh, against Wheaton. This is going to be their third time running against him and whatnot. So, what is um what is your kind of read on where Saxe's defense is, at least as far as containing the run goes? I mean, well, let's talk about Kamar Wheaton first, because people may look at some of um, Lakeview's results and they go, "I don't understand some of these." Uh, they lost thirty-three fourteen to a yeah. two to a two-win North Mesquite team. Burtner has one win. They took him to overtime, but the Kamar Wheaton effect. Yes, twenty-two for one hundred and four, two touchdowns against Arlington in the opener against North Mesquite. Did not play. They lose. Against Berkner, did not play. They go score not only did they lose, they got blown out by North Mississippi. Yeah. 33-14, they scored, I mean, what, they lost 7 nothing or whatever it was to Berkner? Yeah, they won the 7 nothing. Yeah, yeah, but the fact that they were scoreless in the yeah. overtime against a one-win Berkner team. You know, he comes back to the district opener against North Garland. He goes 19 for 86. Uh, in a game they lost, but you wonder if he was still full strength. Yeah. Since then, um, they didn't need him against South. The game, they, they were up 42 nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. He still goes 8 for 50 with four touchdowns. <laughs> In the big game against Wiley, um, you know, who was undefeated at the time, 26 for 170, a touchdown, a 97-yard kickoff return. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, last week against Garland, another blowout. They really didn't need him, but he still goes eight carries for 200 yards and three touchdowns. But you can just see the effect he oh, has yeah. on that team. Jared, uh, Their quarterback, Jared Adams, for the season is completing 49% of his passes. But when you have Kamar Wheaton in the backfield, last week, 9 of 13, mm-hmm. 209 yards and three touchdowns. You just have to manage the game. With v- v- very efficient, though. But when the defense is so focused on one guy, mm-hmm. that opens up everything else. And it's not just it's not just Garnett Burke, uh, Cameron Jones, uh, Zachariah Duncan have all you know contributed in the ground game when mm-hmm. Kamar was out. And even now that he's not, you know, he still hasn't, except for the Wiley game, he is taking on this huge workload. Yeah. They're spreading the ball around. And again, they've got good athletes on the outside side with Ed White, who's averaging, you know, 24.3 yards per carry. Uh, Jalen Davis, you know, I mentioned Garnett Burke and Cameron Jones, who can make plays. You know, these guys were there the entire time. It's just, you know, Kamar Wayne's the guy that kind of makes it all go. And when he's there and he's healthy and the defense has to worry about him, it frees up these other guys to do mm-hmm. what they're capable of doing. And it makes Lakeview one of the most dynamic offenses in the area. And one that's going to be a really tough matchup for Saxe that a Saxe defense that is very good against the pass, but it's alarming the fact that they're running into this matchup right now, coming off that game against North Garland, where they simply could not stop North Garland. I was curious too because I, I literally did go through game by game and just check how they fared against the lead running back in every team that they faced, and you see early on like some really strong results. You know, holding guys like you know Capel's running back Jason Ingwu to just 64 yards, Trey Jones Scott with Plano East, one of the better running backs over mm-hmm. in District 96A. He only had 72 yards on 24 carries. I mean, so there was promise early on. I don't know if it's been injuries or whatnot, but yeah, these last couple weeks um, with Kingsley Bennett of Naaman Forest, he broke free on them for 134 yards and just 17 carries. And then last week against North Garland, Sabron Woods with 227 yards on 38 carries. That's an insane workload. But um, So yeah, well, at least it, in recent weeks, the, uh, they've been springing some leaks up front for, uh, for the Mustangs. And it's, it wasn't just Sabron Woods last week. He was, he was the workhorse. Yeah. But goodness, and why we no, I'm pretty sure that name. But he goes 11 carries for 138 yards. Yeah. And even uh, Timothy Gauthier, their quarterback, was averaging over eight yards or almost eight yards a carry. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they were just getting gashed. And again, they're, they're 
passing, they only you know they allowed three to nine passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pass defense has been good all season long, and their run defense has been good up to the last couple of weeks. And again, it's there. There's been you know you get to week nine, you're going to be banged up a little bit. You're going to have some mm-hmm. injuries. Um, but again, that was you know when you look at this game two weeks ago, you would have been really confident in Saxy's ability to slow down Lakeview to contain that ground game. Coming off last week, it's, it's a legitimate concern for sure. And then it's not even to, I mean it's not even to mention the problems that Saxy might have moving the ball again. So it's actually been a pretty stout Lakeview defense, not just this season, but last year they were one of the better defenses overall in the Metroplex. I mean this season they're averaging just 257.1 yards allowed. That's number 11 in the area. 18.3 points per game allowed. Also number 11 in the area. They're solid in all capacities, and this is despite graduating nearly half of their defense from last year. There's still playmakers there, guys like Garnett Burke. You mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Caleb Ferguson, Victor Smith, Ja'Cory Turner or Tarver, I should say. I mean, so it's you know when you look at just the results that they've uh, they've produced so far in district play, and I mean it's fair to question just to what extent Sachs is going to be able to move the ball with as much of a chore as that's been at times this season. Yeah, and I, I think you know a, a lot of those guys you mentioned, like Garnett Burke and Caleb Ferguson, are, are secondary guys, mm-hmm. and you know that's the area where I, I said. Sachs needs to make a couple big plays, but first and foremost, they've got to establish Coleman in the ground game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got to lean on that. I mean, that offensive line, they consider it one of the strengths of the team, and that they've really got to prove it this week mm-hmm. because, um, again, just, just as we talked about the Lakeview ground game set, setting up every, everything else, if Saxie has to rely on that passing game, I just don't know. It hasn't shown the consistency to where they say, okay, fine, you shut down this, we'll just beat you here. Mm-hmm. They just, unfortunately for them so far, and, and you know, they could be due for a breakout game. Parker Wells has looked really good throwing the ball at times this mm-hmm. season. Uh, Xavier Foreman is a capable thrower, uh, and I mentioned the talent they have on the outside. It's just they haven't done it on a consistent basis, and if you go into a game like this, just can't, you can't, can't count on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just puts that much more importance on getting the, the, the run game going and, and, and establishing some balance and, and keeping that Lakeview offense off the field as yeah. much as you can. It feels like a game where if either team is able to get out to a 10-14 to 14 point lead, that really might be all it takes. Because it seems like the same sort of, uh, I guess, uh, the same stigma for both offenses that neither one wants to have to throw the ball more than they have to. So, um, I guess, ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, how do you, uh, I guess, ultimately see this one playing out in the end? Uh, you know, I, this is tough because, like I say, a week ago, I, I probably would have had a, a completely different prediction mm-hmm. just based on... Um, it was like a lot of that in 10-6-A where every week you yeah, power I mean, rank these four teams yeah. in a completely different order. It, it, it's nuts. Um, but, you know, I tend to think it's going to be a close game. I, I think it's going to come down to big plays. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I'm going to get crap from Saxon on this <laughs> but I, I did I don't did, let that work but I did but I did pick Lakeview just yeah. based a lot based on last week but again I mentioned the big plays it's not just you know the ability to break a 60 yard run but special teams Lakeview's been huge on special teams okay. Kamar Wheaton's had a kickoff return for a touchdown Garnett Burks had a kickoff return for a touchdown mm-hmm. they have all these skilled guys with speed that um, you know in, in the return game it can make such a difference and it's such a game changing you know play when you can return a kickoff or, or a punt for a touchdown and uh, you know when you just when you look at it uh, you know Saxe has the potential Big play potential. Lakeview has the big play proven guys, mm-hmm. and I think that makes a difference in, in probably a you know twenty seven twenty type game. You wonder like I just you look at Saxe and just the, that performance against North Garland in the game that they won twenty four to twenty one. But it's one that I mean they're probably a tad fortunate to get out of there with the victory because they got that lead in the third quarter, and then you have North Garland which lost a fumble in the red zone on its next mm-hmm. possession, missed a twenty six yard field goal, but and blocked. then yeah, so yeah. credit to Saxe for blocking Locked. it. But yeah, but and then they turned the ball over on downs just. 
outside the red zone in the next possession. Yeah. I mean, North Carolina had every chance to try to take the lead in that one and potentially put Saxe away, and then the narrative on this game changes completely. Um, but yeah, I, it really is just kind of a vote for Kamar Wheaton. And just, I mean, it sounds like we're talking about the likely district MVP when you look at just the balance of power that he alone can uh, be responsible for with a team you know, like, like Leafy, which you, know, you go over some of the early season results and just how it's night and day compared to when they have him in the lineup. And that's for a, for a district where it feels like the talent level is relatively even across the board. I mean, when you have a transcendent player like that that's capable of swinging the balance of any game anytime he has the ball, then I got to ride with that. So, yeah, yeah. And, and like we talked about too, though, we've talked about a lot about Kamal Wheaton, but if Saxe focuses all their attention on him, mm-hmm. Lakeview's got other playmakers that we talked about mm-hmm. that can beat you, and I just think that array of weapons is going to be really tough for Saxe yeah. to handle. So yeah, Devin, you and I were not alone in this one, though. Surprisingly, the majority of the picket line favors Lakeview Centennial to defeat Saxe. Who would have thought we'd be saying this a few years ago? Who would have thought we had said it last week? <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't have been. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, you, me, Kendrick Johnson, Brian Murphy riding with the Lakeview Centennial Patriots, and Taylor Raglan is the dissenting vote. He is staying true to the Saxe Mustangs in a game that is sure to weigh fairly heavily on the uh, District 10 6A playoff picture. Should be a fun one. Once again, our, our reader voted game of the week. Saxe versus Lakeview Centennial. This one is Thursday, 7 p.m. out at Williams Stadium in Garland. Should be a fun one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back as we continue previewing some of the marquee matchups for Week 9 of high school football season. We've brought in Brian Murphy to help out with this last part as we've uh, we've broken down our game of the week, Saxe versus Lakeview Centennial. We had four other games, though, that were up for consideration. So let's quickly talk about those, give a little, give a few predictions, and just see kind of where we're at on some of the other big games in our coverage area. Um, the one game that, if there was a game that was going to give Saxe Lakeview a run on the picket line, it was going to be this one. Another Thursday night contest, 7 o'clock out at McKinney ISD Stadium. McKinney North welcomes John Tyler in a meeting of uh, two of the three remaining unbeaten teams over in 7-5A Division One. Um, you know, Devin, we've talked about this uh, this fun little home stretch that we've got cooking here between John Tyler, North, and Poteet as we will finally figure out just where the power truly lies in 7-5A Division One. Um, this is a rematch from last year that was won by John Tyler, albeit in a pretty dramatic fashion. You know, North was going for a potential uh, go-ahead score, and then they uh, they lost a fumble late in that one as John Tyler was able to hang on for the victory. Um, you know, the narrative has kind of changed since then. This is a John Tyler team that had a very uh, kind of an uneven season. You know, they started off with, uh, was it 0-4, and then mm-hmm. they've since though take, they've taken care of business with, um, you know, with three district wins, and albeit a, a bit of a thriller, it sounds like, against West Mesquite yeah. not too long ago, but um, I don't know where you're leaning on this one specifically, but um, it just kind of boils down to this McKinney North offense is just on a completely different level from everything else in that district right now, and I just, given the inconsistencies that, that John Tyler offense showed particularly earlier in the year um, I just don't know if I trust them to keep pace with with McKinney North you know Kendrick Johnson when he's on the podcast he will you know 
bring out the old adage. Pre- predicting seventy one and nothing. <laughs> well, you got you got to score forty points just to compete with North. And I, uh, you know, you know that North is going to get they're going to get their points. Not enough enough. To be fair, John Tyler does have a pretty stout defense, so I don't want to you know completely rule out the fact that this might be a bit of a uh, you know that there might be some regression in store for the Bulldogs. But I do question just how much John Tyler can truly score in this one. Do well, you match know, pace with the Bulldogs. And we, we talked before the season about John Tyler losing their starting quarterback, their mm-hmm. top four rushers, and their top four receivers from a year ago. Oh, yeah. uh, that's a lot of, oh, yeah. a lot of production to replace. Exactly. And then you start the season with games against um, four 6A teams. Horn, Tyler Lee, Longview, Beatles Trinity. Four pretty good yes. like <laughs> I mean, it could be four playoff teams. Yeah. Um, you know, they righted the ship again, um, you know, with the started district. But again, those young guys at the skilled positions, Cameron Ford stepping in at quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's come along. Katon Crawford, they're outstanding. You know, he's a defensive back and one of the top-rated defensive backs in the state. Okay. They shifted him over to offense last week, um, or two weeks ago since they were on their bye. And he goes 15 carries for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So that may be a budding option, uh, you know, as a, as a two-way guy. But like you say, I, I saw McKinney North. It's just like watching a video game out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with D- Dylan Markowitz and, and his assortment of receivers with J.J. Henry and, you know, and, and Kendrick was telling about, oh, you got to watch Brandon Frazier. you got to watch Cl-. Well, Sean Mansour was their leading receiver. I mean, he went, you know, eight for 130 last week, and he wasn't even mentioned by Kendrick at first because they have so many different options. And then you mix in Manny Fincher and Jaden Smith. In, in kind of a backup role, still rush from with 100 yards. It's too many weapons. Yeah, it's just it's just so much for anybody to handle. You know, it, it's hard to say with you know John Tyler. You know, has gotten better as district play. You know, has gotten their three and zero. But again, they beat Texas High. They beat Wiley East, which most other teams are doing as well. Good win over West Mesquite, but. Uh, you know, I don't know about. I, I don't know if they have the offense. I think it's going to be similar to the Mes- uh, the West Mesquite game I saw a week ago, mm-hmm. um, where they got, they just have too much firepower late, and it's going to be kind of a fifty six thirty four. McKinney North win. Yeah, and we were all all unanimous on that one. The uh, the picket line was five and zero in favor of McKinney North beating John Tyler to remain undefeated in District Seven Five A Division One. Uh, Brian, there's a fun little game going on over in Five Five A Division One that is Friday seven o'clock at Frisco ISD Memorial Stadium when Wakeland welcomes the Colony. We're finally going to get some matches between these likely playoff teams out in Five Five A Division One. Feels like we had to sift through a few weeks into the district schedule before we finally got to the uh, the real nitty-gritty of it all. Uh, the Colony coming off of a, uh, a, a almost just a, a, a classification altering upset that would have been last week if they had been Ooh, able to man. take down Lone Stars. They threw the, the kitchen sink at the Rangers, gave them all they could handle in a 41-38 to loss. Is there any concern about a potential let-up now after you just you come oh so close to taking down the number one team in the state against a Wakeland team that's going to be at, full, you know, at least a little bit closer to full strength this week and you know also is uh, clicking pretty well? Yeah, Wakeland, they have their starting quarterback back. Mm-hmm. Dylan Liable, he missed uh, four weeks after going down in week two and a loss to Sulphur Springs. I mean, albeit his backup was doing a fine job. His mm-hmm. backup, Payne Lewis, went 3-1. and one. Um, Teddy Bridgewater action there. <laughs> uh, I don't think he uses two gloves like Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but, you know, he'll, they'll use him at receiver. He caught a couple passes mm-hmm. uh, against Frisco Independence when I saw them last Thursday. You know, in Wakeland, they lost Independence, but, you know, Independence is that good. You yeah. know, it was a close game. Went down to the wire. They, they scored a touchdown late uh, to make it a two-score game. But Wakeland was in that game. They had a lead in the second half against mm-hmm. Independence. That's a, this is a really good Wakeland team yeah. that blew out Little Elm by 40 points the week before. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the Colony right now, man. They just <laughs> they struggle against you know teams that probably won't make the playoffs, and then they almost beat Lone Star. It's just... I, I don't know. I don't, are they going to 
Is there going to be a little bit of a hangover from that Lone Star game against Wakeland? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think the Colony is the better team. I think they're a top three team in this district, possibly second best team. Um, you know, they still have to face Independence, which is still going to be juicy. Mm-hmm. Um, which you kind of alluded to those these five five A matchups getting really good down the stretch. But you know, I, I, I'm picking the Colony to win. I don't think they'll they'll falter off too much. I think they they still just have too much firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do expect a high-scoring game, yeah, for sure. And that's been the the area of the colony that there really has never been any questions about. Is that despite the inconsistent results, they've always been able to put up points between Miles Price, Keith Miller, Christian Gonzalez, Mikey Harrington. Um, much like McKinney North, there's just too many weapons to keep track of, just because of the different ways in which they can go about deploying those guys. Um, yeah, I like the colony to bounce back in this one too. Although I am kind of wondering if this is we're looking at maybe like a you know a 52-45 style game with as inconsistent as the colony's defense has been, but yeah, I too like the Colony to, uh, to get the W on Friday. I have a score, too. Oh, my prediction. What I you got? 45-35. Okay. The Colony, so. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Brian, you, me, Devin, Kendrick, Taylor, we were all unanimous in this one. We all think the Colony gets the win, bounces back against Frisco Wakeland. Uh, let's see, over in District 96A, I'm actually going to be at this game on Friday. We have a meeting between two teams that are tied for second place as part of a, a three-way log jam underneath Allen in that district. Plano travels to face Jesuit. Um, they are tied with Prosper, so we'll get a little bit of clarity on who, uh, who potentially be the second best team in this district. Um, but yeah, I mean, both the Wildcats and Rangers have amassed three game winning streaks over the course of the district schedule. Jesuit obviously had its snap last week and that just blowout loss to Allen. Plano is riding its as they as they've picked up some pretty significant wins over McKinney and Plano East over the last couple weeks and uh, in victories that have certainly brightened their playoff outlook. It's two teams that, you know, when I, I mean, I saw this game last year and there's a lot of crossover between, you know, what Jesuit had and what Jesuit and Plano had last year relative to this matchup because you know you still had EJ Smith and Jake Taylor you know as the anchors of that Jesuit offense in the backfield um, and then you had Rance Holman who was you know at the time Jesuit's backup quarterback last year but this was at a period where Kevin Schumann got hurt late in the season and Holman got his first extensive work um, behind center and he actually did start the entirety of that game against Plano and then you had Tylen Hines who was you know in the midst of his late season surge for the uh, for the Wildcats and he actually had had what was at the time his career best out- output with uh, with 248 yards last year against Jesuit. He eclipsed that last week against East with 261. Um, you know, but nevertheless, this was a game last year that Plano won pretty convincingly, 42-27. Um, so whereas you know it doesn't feel like a ton has changed one year later. Nevertheless, we are all unanimous in going with Jesuit in this one, and I think that's more so. Um, you know, speaking as you know uh, someone who covers the district, the Plano's defense is. I think maybe uh, you know trended a little bit in one direction since then, and Jesuit's offense I think has maybe gotten a little bit better. I think I like the balance that they have at receiver a bit more. The fact that they're using EJ in a bit you know in a, I guess different ways that they weren't as using as frequently last year. And um, yeah, I don't know. Plano's defense has still been a little leaky, even in victory. You know, there was that game against McKinney where they almost blew a 28 point lead, and maybe if Mother Nature doesn't intervene, maybe they ultimately do. And then even last week against Plano East, you know, despite a convincing you know 22 point victory, you know. 
know, Trey uh, Jones Scott still has almost 200 yards of offense. You know, for it was a pretty wounded Plano East offense. So there's, again, there's it's just a little little too leaky for my liking. Whereas Jesuits defense, um, obviously they got you know just torched by Allen last week, but that's Allen. They're going to do that to a lot of people. They still looked incredible in shutting down Prosper. Um, you know, and the other time that I've seen them this year against McKinney Boyd, they uh, they gave up a touchdown on the first drive, and then Boyd didn't find the end zone on offense at least until like the last play of the game. I mean, Jesuit does have they've their defensive performance has definitely risen this year relative to what people might think after the Allen performance. Um, I like Jesuit to come away with the win in this one. So, um, well, and I, I think I think that Prosper game was really what sealed it for me. Yeah, and, and Plano, and again, you, you see him more on a week-to-week basis or a more frequent basis. But you know, you kind of look at the results like the McKinney game or like the Plano West game, and then you look and you see for the season they're five and two, but they've outscored their opponents two sixty-eight to two sixty-one. Yeah. which you kind of go, wow, that's five and two. That means that when they get beat, they get beat. Now, granted, again, they had Allen in that mix, yeah. and, um, and then that Hebrew game and, and at the start of the year was just an absolute, just all sorts of bloodshed in that one. And Hebert, but but Jesuits is battle tested. I mean, not just you know, again, they took their lumps against Allen, but the big win over Prosper, and they mm-hmm. they took their lumps early against DeSoto and Arlington. Yeah. But you know, they learned from those games. They came back. You know, I, I just think. You know, with that, like you mentioned, the Jesuit defense uh, against two outstanding running backs, mm-hmm. but I think the Jesuit de- defense has enough to for them to pull out a close win. Yeah, so we were uh, we were unanimous in this one. Once again, we all picked Jesuit to get the win over Plano and remain in pursuit of, at the very least, likely second place in that district. Um, let's see, and the last one was the Mound Showdown. Marcus at Flower Mound. This one is 7 p.m. Friday at Neil Wilson Stadium on the Flower Mound High School campus. Um, as we talked about on Monday's podcast, the uh, the luster behind this one took a little bit of a hit with Flower Mound losing last week against Hebron. But nevertheless, I mean, it's this is for, I mean, Marcus can lock up the district title essentially with a win here, which for a team that missed the playoffs last season, what a, uh, what a turnaround <laughs> that would be for the Marauders. And it's crazy because we all think they're going to get it done on Friday. Because <laughs> uh, with Prosper, and I'm both Prosper, but with Flower Mound, it's been a case of like you have two two prolific offenses in this matchup. You got Blake Short, Pierce Hudgens, and that juggernaut Flower Mound group going up against Garrett Nussmeyer, J. Michael Sturdivant. I'm curious to see what the status of Tyson Edwards is in this one. He was their workhorse running back and one of the best like all around running backs in the area so far this season. He did not play last week, um, so I'm curious against Capel, and I'm kind of curious to see what his status is because that could certainly tip the scales a little bit in this one, given what he's. Um, I mean, this is a guy who averages you know seven eight yards per carry on the regular, and is also a big weapon in the passing game as well. Um, so without him, it definitely does kind of lower the ceiling of that Marcus offense. With Flower Mound, though, I'm curious to see what this looks like just because, like we talked about on Monday, they've just had a bit of a bugaboo in going up against upper echelon defenses. Now, they look fine against Louisville. They were able to get that win, albeit a win that required a game-winning touchdown with 12 seconds left, <laughs> so they were perilously close to losing that one. Um, but then you look at the performance against Prosper and just the struggles they had there. They were down, what, 35, 36, nothing in the first half. And then last week against, uh, you know, against against uh, Hebron, they score on their first drive, go up 8 nothing, and then they get a field goal the rest of the way. Only 11 points scored. And against, again, what was probably the best defense in 6-6-A. But nevertheless, though, it is kind of alarming to see that when you know faced with um, with a team that can actually make them sweat a little bit on offense, that they just don't necessarily have the firepower to keep pace. Which, you know, that makes sense that when you play better defenses, offense is going to be tougher. But to the extent that it has been for Flyermount is a tad alarming. Um, and I think Marcus has the defense to continue to make 
make those uh, those hardships uh, come to life. Uh, you know, looking at their effort against against that same Hebron team. You know, they beat them 24 to 14 the week prior. I mean, even earlier on in the season against Bowie, they lost 28 to 14. But outside of two massive chunk plays. You know, when a, a you know a touchdown off a turnover that really wasn't that bad a showing by Marcus's defense against a pretty solid Bowie team, um, they've shown enough to where I think that they're going to be able to you know slow this slow down Flyman enough to get their points, whether they have Tyson Edwards or not. And yeah, it's yeah I like Marcus to to win the District Six Six Eight Championship on Friday, which is not something I envisioned I'd be saying at the start of the season. I thought they were a definite bounce back candidate. Just looking at the um, at potentially uh, kind of how uh, how much they had stocked up the re, uh, the receiving core in the off season, plus with the development of Garrett Nussmeyer at quarterback, he's shaping to be one of the better quarterbacks that program has ever had. Um, but yeah, I mean. I thought they were like maybe a you know, third, fourth place team, and now all of a sudden they're undefeated in districts and could very well polish off a, a well, district title on Friday. Well, and from afar, it looks like they've learned how to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've won six in a row since that game against Arlington Bowie. You know, the games with Hebron, the games with Coppell, both went down to the wire. It was close yeah. you know, to the very end, but they found a way to do mm-hmm. it, which, you know, sometimes it takes a season like last year where you're in those close games, you can't get it done. you got to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they kind of took those experiences from last year and, and it, it turned things around this year. Yep. It is, uh, once again, unanimous. 5 nothing. We all like Marcus to win the Mount Showdown, despite the fact that this would be in Flyer Mount's house as well. So we'll see. It should be a fun one. These games in 6-6-A rarely disappoint. <laughs> you said you had a matchup last year between Marcus undefeated and Capel, which is technically right now in sixth place in the district, and that game went to overtime. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just, that tells you all you need to know about just the parity in that district. And, yeah, that is a look at uh, some of the other marquee matchups that are on our coverage docket as far as games that we are all covering. Uh, Devin, what you got going on on Friday? On Friday, after, yeah, the uh, obviously I'll be at Saxe and Lakeview yes. on Thursday. And uh, another rivalry game on Friday, uh, big 7-5A Division One is Poteet and West Mesquite. Mm. Uh, Lockhorns are at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Uh, Poteet looking to keep pace with the district leaders because there's still going to be one team that's undefeated left because McKinney North and John Tyler um, – and so Poteet looks to keep pace. Well, an important game for West Mesquite, too, mm-hmm. who uh, controls their own destiny. But um, certainly a win over one of the big three at this point in time would be huge toward uh, securing that fourth playoff spot. I will be out at a Jesuit out at Postel Stadium to watch Plano take on Jesuit in that aforementioned battle between second-place teams in District 9-6A. How about you? Devin, you better not tweet me your press box food. <laughs> yeah, Mesquite <laughs> Memorial. We know Mesquite Memorial has the best food. I'll be, in, I'll be at a FISD Memorial, Frisco Memorial Stadium, uh, for the classic hot dog and, and you can nachos yeah, at you halftime. Can tweet Devin <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't beat it. It's the classic at halftime mm-hmm. for uh, Wakeland welcoming the colony. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, yeah, you can follow us along on Twitter. I'm at MWelchSLM. He is at Devin Hassan. He is at Brian Murphy underscore. And yeah, we'll be tweeting out updates, posting videos throughout our games. And then afterwards, you can come to our website, starlocalmedia.com, to read game stories, rapid reaction podcasts, all that good stuff. And yeah, another, uh, we'll get another, another fun week of high school football on the horizon, gentlemen. And that will do it for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Monday to break down the action from the other uh, week to come. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. 
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.